Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Beehive Jive. We are a beekeeping podcast um, led by two beekeeping friends, Paul and Tracy, and we are based in the southeast of England, um, in fact, in southeast London. And this evening, we are coming to you from our friend Heather's house. Heather is a fellow beekeeper, and she's going to be talking about her own experiences with her bees um, and her two lovely cats, Biscuit and Lola, <laughs> are here and they're so gorgeous. Um, so, yeah, Heather's going to be joining us for the whole show. But actually, before um, we get into it, I just wanted to take a moment to say that um, we are thinking of everyone who is affected by the bushfires um, in Australia, in New South Wales and in Queensland um, and all the beekeepers who are affected because we know that people have lost their bees and that the forage has been terribly affected um, and the impact is going to be felt for years, really. So, yeah, we just wanted to send our best wishes and say that we're thinking of you all. So after that more well, serious start, I know I had to. <laughs> it is really, it's really terrible. It's really, really sad. But um, I think, yeah, we just wanted to say that. And we, we do think of you from afar. So anyway, here we are in London where it's raining. Um, always raining. Always raining. Um, so, Heather, thank you so much for coming oh, on the welcome. show. I've got to say, Heather, you've got the smallest wine glasses I've ever seen. They're civilised. Oh, they're civilised. It means you, you drink less. Because you go around Tracy's, you just get like a bucket. Oh, I can do big glasses if you want a big glass. <laughs> you see? Because Tracy, you, you just see. get a bucket with a handle. You it's, feel like. It's not going to work on this show because I've got someone to stick up for me, okay? You feel so. like you've drunk more because. That's very sophisticated, the wine glass. Mm. They were free from someone who died. All right. Lovely. <laughs> not at all. Uh, is that another they're word? Gorgeous. For, another word for looted. <laughs> yes, they were looted. <laughs> So, Paul, how are you? Paul Taylor? I'm all right. I've got nothing you to do always it. say that. You're always all right. right. <laughs> I've put my bees to bed. I've He's put, had a cup of tea. So. Had a cup yeah. of tea. I'm sorted. Uh, no, so I put my last mouse guard on uh, a week ago. I've left it long because I had the, the entrance reducers in, and I have one hive that's really miserable. I mean, you take the lid off, and they just fly off at you. Oh, I've got one of those. Yeah. I call that the Tracy that's hive. That's not fun. That's not fun. Mine are, it, mine are pink bees. It's the pink bees that are not very All oh, right, nice. okay. Are they, are, they a, are they a queen from Tracy's bees? No. Oh, right. See, it's queens. not going to work. <laughs> it's not, is it? No. I'm, and shit. I don't have to put mouse guards on because I've got polystyrene hives, so you just mm. turn the little oh, right. thing around and it's got four little holes. Yeah, and it works for... Because yeah. you can do it at the end of the season to control yeah. robbing. Yeah, yeah. And it's done. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I didn't yeah. know you had polystyrene hives. How long have you had polystyrene hives for? Since I started beekeeping, I only have polystyrene hives because they're nice and warm and they're pretty and they're pink. <laughs> yours yours are pretty. Green and cream and mm. purple. Yeah. So Can I, you I put flowers on yours? By Do you decorate colour. yours? Yeah. Nice. Oh. They've got bees That's... on them. <laughs> got... <laughs> and... So they recognise where they live. <laughs> they know where to go because they're all different colours. And you've got, am I, am I right? You've got like standard size. They're um they're British National. Yeah, they're yeah, yeah they're standard kind yeah. of brood. Yeah, I'm only a little girl, so I can't manage twelve by oh, fourteen. Oh no, I'm on standard. I doubt now. that. I severely doubt that. 
No, of course you could. No, it's too I, heavy. Mm. I used to be on double brood, but Tracy's convinced me now to go to single brood. Mm. Well, this year I'm going to put them all on brood and a half. I tried it once on one hive and thought, I don't like this. But this last year I had so much problem with swarming along with everybody else on right. the site. that next And some friends of mine who beekeep in Kent, they kept theirs on brood and a half and had no problems with swarming at all. It may not work, but this year... I've decided I'm going to give it a go. So that's and, a brood box and a super? Well, because I leave them all over winter with a brood box and their own super. They've right. always had that right from the beginning. Mm. They've always had their own super, which lives with them all the time, and I never take it off. I don't extract from it. So they can lay in mm. it in the spring before the queen excluder goes on. And this time I'll just put the queen excluder on the top and then yeah. put the next super on the top. Yeah. It makes sense. Because mm. so they've the got stacks of there. supers now. They've all got three each with drawn comb sitting outside, mm. getting chilled in the frost to kill anything off that might be in them. Like Tracy likes a good frost. The old nasty wax moth, which I Did don't you? really have hardly any. But I, d- I have it all the time. I have the odd one. But mm. I left them in the shed the first year and I did have one or two wax moths. So I brought them all outside. So I just stacked them yeah. up in a big stack outside. Yep. And it seems to work. So mm. now they've got, I've got about 15 supers all full of drawn Nice. Comb. I mean, that you is get a, a lovely cop. thing to have. Which is great. God, you know, when you think how much that's worth in terms of honey, eight kilos of honey to draw one kilo of wax. Look at the pound size. Well, in, I know, that's so. what I am well, actually thinking. Well, in theory, yes, except this year it didn't work because they were a complete pain this year. Last year I sold, I don't know, I never measure it in weight of how much... Honey, I get off. People say, how much did you get off? And I go, £1,400 worth. And they go, £1,400? And I go, no, £1,400 <laughs> in money. That's the only way I can work. It's how mm. many jars I've sold. And this year it was only about £400. I, I like the way you brand your honey. Oh, you beat me to it. I was about to say That's the that. best thing. You, yeah. you call your honey Heather's honey. Oh, of course. It's the best. It, it's Everyone loves my yeah. honey jars. That's brilliant. It's really and good. And your honey is beautiful. I can't meet the demand. Oh, well, this year I was thrilled because I came second to our chairman, which is almost impossible. I won first in the beginners well, class national two honey years show. ago. No, in the Croydon. And the Croydon show. one. No, I haven't progressed to the national yet. And the only, I lost points because it had two tiny spots of, of, um, just to bury jam on the top of the lid. So I was classified as the lid being. <laughs> unclean because I'd been up at five <laughs> o'clock that morning making Jostaberry jam for the show because I'd been rung up until they didn't have enough entries. <coughs> so there you go. I've never entered so, anything into any beekeeping it's competition. Fun. It's and not. if you can do Croydon, you can do the National. My God. The National oh, I'm is sure I just lovely. Seen, oh, well, it's, it's just, just a another bit of a thing in life. Yeah. I didn't do it this year and I, I, missed, I missed not doing it. But... Yeah. No, I may. I may. It's just another. How many hours in the day are there to do Quite. everything? So, so say say a bit about where you keep your bees because it's very different to us. Um, can I just say before I tell you where I keep the bees? Yeah. How I started this because I never. Oh, yeah. I never intended to be a beekeeper. There was a course run on the allotment site for beginner beekeepers, and because I'm a scientist, I thought, oh, this will be interesting. 
and it wasn't very expensive so and it was five minutes away from where I live so I went along thinking I was doing it out of interest and that was in 2015 January to March and by April same April I'd bought a hive and by May I had six frames of bees so it was all a bit like trial by fire and I think everything Mm. that could have gone wrong went wrong that year so it was a rapid so what got what got you uh, hooked on it oh I don't know I think because I was off at some bees all right (laughs) (laughs) you were kind of bullied into it it was so easy I was you know here are some bees Heather go and buy a hive Mm. So there you are. And I had somewhere to keep them. Because you keep them on allotment, don't you? Yeah, which is a, an, an unusual thing, English thing of... It's like a community garden, really, isn't it? It's a community garden, sort of, yes. Yeah. But then it's measured in rods. I don't know whether people around the world know what rods are, and I'm yeah. not sure I, I can don't. do a conversion factor. We measure them in terms of rods. So one allotment is 10 rods. Is that So that's like a unit of measurement? Yeah, so for I've all of you out of there, get on your iPads and iPhones <laughs> and look up what a rod is. But And it's for, it's for growing vegetables. It's for food. food. Yeah. So we have 400 allotments or plots on our allotments. They're very strips, aren't they? It's big, like, isn't they're it? They're strips. And I've got two half plots and next to just over the ditch from one of my plots is an apiary, Mm. which is where I keep my bees with one other person. And at the moment, we've got 10 colonies in there. I've got enough with five, although I did have six last winter, and he would like to have eight, but there's not really room for that many, but anyway. So what's it like keeping bees around all those people? Very difficult because people get stung, particularly mm. this year. We've had quite a few stings on site and it doesn't matter what people get stung by. It could be anything. They could be up a tree and they get bothered by a fly, but they think they've been stung and they fall off their ladder and blame the bee. Yeah, of course. They could get stung by a wasp because they didn't see. And I always go, what was it that stung you? Oh, well, I didn't really see, but it was one of your bees. Mm. Mm. I've had people threaten to burn my hives down because because they got stung. We've had people threatening to have the bees not removed from the site because they've been stung. We had somebody complaining that they had bees on their lawn uh, on a house that runs next to the allotment site. So we do have quite a few issues. I missed that. You, You had someone complain that they had bees on their grass. Yes. So they looked at their front garden and there were some bees on the grass and they... Probably on clover. Yes, probably. So the solution would be to dig up the lawn and put gravel down. <laughs> I don't mean, I would have well, been that would have been my that, solution. <laughs> but the solution was they wanted us to move the... Well, it's not my apiary, but what we have three apiaries on site and eight beekeepers. And, and they patrol their front garden and keeping off the uh, butterflies and the bees. Yeah. So, yes, it's That's difficult. Mm. <laughs> That's brilliant. <laughs> and I've mm. been stung whilst not... My major stings have all been while not beekeeping. Really? Me yes. too? Yeah. Because so, you're off your guard, aren't you? Well, no, I walked out... Well, both both of my bad ones have occurred because my the person who keeps bees on the in the apiary with me, had been stung. And 
So the bees were on the on guard, and I walked out unbeknownst to me. And as soon as I walked out in a t-shirt, they went, "Ooh, what is this?" <laughs> and zapped me. Mm. And of course, it's serious. It is serious for, you. for me because within a year of beekeeping, well, I started beekeeping in the February. No. May 2015, and by October 2016, I was in hospital for seven hours, having had an anaphylactic reaction to a bee sting when I wasn't beekeeping. Mm. So, yes, it is a problem. So I'm just about to complete this coming February, three years of bee therapy. Okay. How's, was it you, when you sit down with a social worker and talk about bees? <laughs> yes. How does that, that's just the... Um, Anti-allergen treatment, isn't it? It is, yeah. So you go and you have bee, a bee sting put in you every week, I think it is, for a few weeks, and then every month. I can't quite remember because it's a while ago now. At the moment I'm on, allegedly, but I, people have different views on this when you talk to them in the hospital, I was told it was two and a half stings every six to eight weeks. But oh, it's right. how they measure it. It's bee venom. I mean, people say, oh, do they put bees on you? Yeah, yeah. Of no, they, they do. don't put bees on you. Hospitals are well known for having a beehive and spare. <laughs> just take a few bees out and put them on your arm. Just where needed. <laughs> Stick Alongside the leeches. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Although they do use those, don't they? No, it's, it is um, amazing. There's loads of people. I went on a, a course at the National Honey Show recently, a workshop. It was a workshop on making cosmetics, I think. And there was four women, on three, four of us on the table I was on, and of the four of us... One woman had completed the therapy. One woman had just started it this July, and I was just coming to the end of mine. That's three mm. out of four of us beekeepers that had been involved mm. in it. I wonder how common it is. I think it's very common. Because I know, I don't know a huge number of beekeepers very well, but I know two very well who've both had it. So I and I didn't even realise you could have the therapy. Oh, thank know. goodness you can because you well, could. You'd have to stop beekeeping. Well, obviously. I would not only have to stop beekeeping. I wouldn't be able to go on the allotment because mm. it's when I've been working on the allotment that I've had the bad stings. Mm. So I couldn't just. Well, I don't know what you'd do. Mm. You'd just have to give up going outside. <laughs> wear a bee suit walk about yeah. in a bee suit and the number of times I'm walking about on a bee suit on the allotment sign people go are you a beekeeper and of course it's very tempting to go no I'm just going to a fancy no, dress there party are, there are midges <laughs> so you should tell them you think there's a chemical weapon around yes. <laughs> worry them a bit but yeah, yeah it is major because I was on a drip within 20 minutes mm. of the sting and they didn't used to teach it very much on the beginner's course, but I've tried to say that people really need to know, and the basis was we don't want to scare people off. Well, I think you don't want to scare people off, but I think people also need to recognise mm. that it's a possibility. And I, in hindsight, knew it was coming because I'd had the previous one had been really, really bad. Mm. And it taken three days to continue swelling yeah, up so no. I looked wow. deformed on my face. People were staring at me in sympathy, thinking, oh, poor woman, having to walk around looking like that. Yeah, so yeah. that's really bad, yeah. So I think people do need to be aware. Beekeepers do need to know 
that it's happening and what's going to happen and what to do with it. I think that's a happen. really good point because certainly when I first started beekeeping, it wasn't something that was on the agenda, you know. I mean, no. it, it was just like, well, I mean, we were taught about anaphylactic shock and what to do, but that was kind of more for members of the public. Mm. It wasn't what to do for yourself no. as a beekeeper if you suffer this. Um, so, yeah, anyway, I'm glad that that it's gone well. And Didn't that put me you're, off anyway. Yeah, and that you're still doing it with your... <laughs> 1,400 tonnes of honey. <laughs> <laughs> so, you, so it's taken three, three years to have that completed? It's three years. And you go in every couple of weeks? At the moment, I'm in every six to eight weeks. Then right. I finish my three years this coming. So February. they give you... Give February you, 2020, I finish. So do they give you an injection of bee venom and then you just sit there? You have to sit there for an hour. You're supposed to take Pyriton before. Um, right. They advise you to take I never did because I wanted to know what it was doing. <clears throat> I wanted to know how much reaction I had, so I never did take it. But now I've noticed I'm getting headache from it, in, and mm. I think that's from, I'm not sure. I should know I'm a scientist, but I think it's from the endorphins or the something that it does. Anyway, I looked it up, I can't remember, and it does give you headache, so I do take Pyriton now because I don't want to spend the afternoon having headache. Mm. But, yes, you have to sit there for an hour to make sure you're okay. Because people do respond badly, mm. particularly early on, and then they have to go down a dose, so they have to monitor you. Okay, that's a well three years. It's a massive commitment. But you, you must really great, want to keep bees. Make great friends. Lots of beekeepers. Lots of nice <laughs> people. We arrange appointments together so we can go on the same day. So <laughs> it's become a little club, really. <laughs> that's nice. The bee therapy club. <laughs> Therapy club, yes. Not everyone can say they belong to a No, exactly. Club. It's like, you know, the exclusive <laughs> kind of... Do you get like an AA chip after the first year? Yeah. <laughs> Gold member. Yeah. Yes. So oh. you were telling us before we start recording about your uh, adventures with Demarees, and I've never done a Demarees. So I'd really like oh to hear your God. adventures and misadventures with the Demery. Yeah, and with controlling swarms, just I was thinking with controlling swarms generally on an allotment. I don't feel like I'm an expert yet, and I certainly don't do what I've been taught by the people who've taught me basic exam techniques and <laughs> beginners' uh, lessons or even what the books say. I've never done an artificial swarm. The easiest way for me and what seems to have worked uh, so far is to just split the... Yeah. If, if there's a sign of swarming going on, just to split the mm -hmm. hive. So the queen goes into a new box with um, a bit of brood and some stores and as many bees as you can shake in there. Mm -hmm. And then rightly or wrongly, I have stuck that on the top of the hive or by the side of the hive on the basis that I can hopefully amalgamate them back together yeah. again because I can't, I haven't got the space or the equipment or the desire yeah. to keep having multiple endless colonies. Increase, yeah. The endless increase every That's year. how I did my swarm control. I've been, oh, is it? Yeah, and me, yeah, that's what I do too. Find a queen. But so it my, seems to me the simplest way is, yeah. than doing the artificial swarm. But the Demarie came about last year because I didn't have another new box. Right. You should ask me. I've... So you went up. And so I went up. But having looked it up again today, because I don't, I'm one of these terribly bad beekeepers who doesn't keep notes, 
And I'm getting on a bit, so I don't always remember <laughs> what I'm supposed to remember. Um, I don't think, I'm not sure it's the right way, but what we've done, or I've done, was um, keep the brew box where it is yeah. with the queen in and take all the um, brood into another brew, brew box. box. Yeah. The both hives. Well, last year they. Had, I think it had two supers on. This year it had three. So they've got the brew box in the bottom with the queen in, and then as many supers as you've got to go in two or three at least. Probably you need. So you've got a queen excluder, then your supers, then another queen excluder, then another brew box with the brood in. But you have to keep checking it because they'll think. Hopefully, you want them to think that they've swarmed. And they'll start making emergency queen cells. You've got to get rid of all box. the queen cells to begin with. The top box might start making emergency queen right. cells. But the bottom, bottom box won't because it's Bottom got box no... shouldn't, you can't ah, leave any. Okay. It's just got the queen in. Do mm. they work? Uh, it works to some extent, yes, but it can be a bit complicated trying to amalgamate them back again because this mm. year the top brew box, they, they started storing in it. So there was lots of right. honey in it. Yeah. And so then when it comes to amalgamating, you've not just got to amalgamate them, but you've got this brood box with lots of honey in that you don't know what to do with. So you put it above the crown board, hoping they'll take it down into the supers, and they don't. Mm. So then you've got, what am I going to do with these? And I ended up scraping it off because <laughs> it didn't fit in the extractor. All right. Good. So I had to scrape it off <laughs> and just leaving the foundation, which can go back in. You weren't letting the honey get away. I wasn't letting no it get away. No way. Well, I didn't Why? know what to do with it because they all had enough. They all had enough If the stones. other colonies don't need it, the only thing to do is... Yeah. I mean, and it, it usually has a lot of pollen in it. If it's, if it's on brood frames, <laughs> it'll have all that pollen and people really like that as well. Yeah. Because it's so healthy and gorgeous. So I just do whatever I feel like, really, and I don't always take notes of what no. books, books tell me. It's all a bit of an experiment, well, I think really. It, yeah. And also... And I don't always know what I'm doing, even though my mentor I, helps me and tells me I can't remember, and I don't remember Kirsty's your mentor, isn't she? The clever one. Yes, yeah, she That's is. That's what we call her, one. the clever one. She is the clever one. One day we she'll come Kirstie. on the pod- podcast. No, she, she will want to do one. Wouldn't she? Oh, that's such a shame. I'd love to have her on the podcast. Tracy keeps asking her. And all she wants to do is drink. Me or Kirsty? Who wants to drink? <laughs> Kirsty. Uh, without Kirsty, I wouldn't. I mean, she's my. she's been my saviour when I... Um, mm. When I had my anaphylactic, she didn't, because she's been through it herself, she never left me alone. She wouldn't let me do beekeeping on my own. All right. So now, and so we've become friends, and she comes and does lots of beekeeping with me and comes for lunch, and it's become a bit of a social thing. But it does mean, from a negative point of view, that I don't always remember what we've done because I just do what we've done and I don't keep notes and she's my memory and I'm going which queen's this is this the daughter of this is the purple daughter pink daughter she's like your ipad she's my yes and so that's not a good thing so I found but it's a fun thing it's a fun thing yeah. mm. and if she was here she'd be going oh, that's not how it was <laughs> <laughs> well so, so I found with the beekeeping techniques it takes me like two or three seasons to actually do it properly first time I t- try and do it it kind of half works Second year I do it, it almost works. And by about the third year, it's kind of okay. Well, I still feel like a beginner. And in fact, much as I love Kirsty and it's great to have her, 
if she does move, in some ways it'll make me have to think more about what I'm doing. Mm. All right, rather than just turning around and saying, what do you think? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. You do You do learn more by making mistakes. I think I know enough, and I, because in the first year everything went wrong that could, and I've had every experience that is possible to have. This year I had a laying workers and... I dealt with them mm. by putting them in a box by the side of the fence and waiting for them to... Fly off to the guy's lawn. Fly off to... <laughs> <laughs> yes, fly off to the guy's lawn. Walk out at night and shake you all out. <laughs> no, the one problem you've got with Demery, well, one of the problems you've got is, of course, the drones up in the top that might hatch out. They can't get through So you there. have to lift the lid off occasionally, mm. really, to let them out, because yeah. otherwise they're stuck up there because there's nowhere for them to go. They can't it's horrible out. when you see them stuck and in the queen excluder. And then they get stuck in the queen excluder, they which die. is horrible. Yeah, it's not mm. good. That's a waste of genetic material. So I found my first year beacon was actually quite good. I didn't have any problems. It was quite, I thought, well, this is easy. didn't have any swarming, mm. made honey. Look at you. Yeah, yeah. Second year, absolute nightmare. I had swarming. Did a split, didn't work. The queen I'd split, died. It's like, oh, God, it was just nothing. Like, and I kind of got to the end of the second year and I thought, is this what beekeeping actually is? It was the first year just like idyllic and the second. But some years you have awful, don't you? And some, yeah, you know, some years are good. And so it's challenging. Yeah, it, it is, and frustrating, but lovely. Yeah. It's just, it is, it is lovely. It is lovely. And I mean, I'm, I've been going through that grieving process of thinking I'm never going to keep bees again to thinking it is, it is so lovely. And when I went to the National Honey Show, I was having a moan to um, Paul and yeah, um, I do know your name, sorry, Paul and um, John, John is who I'm trying to think of, John Main. Oh yeah. And I said, you know, I know I'm all my bees are going to die over winter. Blah 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 blah, and John just said, "For God's sake, there are always more bees. You've got, you oh, know, there are always more bees. There are always yeah. more bees. You said that, mm. and I just thought, okay, you can so... have my splits, and then I don't have to do Demarie. Because <laughs> there's a you see a silver lining for because you can't do Demarie on your own. Yeah. Because do you imagine trying to well, lift up? That's why I don't like those a brood vertical, box, which is no. three supers and a brood box up, and you stood on a on a frame. You see, I don't, I don't you like. Ladder? You need a ladder. You well, have to no. have a that's, ladder. I mean, and you can't I do it on your how. Own complicated is that i i don't like complicated things in beekeeping i just like a polynuke <laughs> that you you just split them into and then let them get on with it and reunite them or yeah. not i mean to me that's common sense and also queen with a lot of queen rearing stuff but if you do that with a polynuke mm. do you put the polynuke beside the original hive i do on top of it I, I put do it you put grass in the no i don't do that that's yorkshire i take the queen yorkshire t- grass that not grass or- <laughs> oh sorry <laughs> oh, I, grass. grass i i understood what you said <laughs> yeah i've got, you put I've got grass got, in the entrance of i've the got the a nuke. yorkshire translator on my phone i'm, I'm just following it i'm just reading it <laughs> Uh, no, so why? It says I, you should do in the book. Yeah, I don't do any of that. Why? But I do, there aren't really flying bees in there. Is so why do I, I carry a polynute whenever I do an inspection and I stick it next to the hive and I take the lid off and if I find the queen, I put her in it and just put the lid back on. And then if I find queen cells, I put some more bees in there. Pick but it some up. Some more bees, in, bees in, where? in the in with the queen because she's sitting there with one oh, frame. Okay. So I kind of do a little split. I don't do a full split. So I give it like. Um, 
Because six frame nuke, isn't it? If you have two yeah, yeah. two frames of closed brood, they'll turn into six frames of these. So uh, I put another frame in, find some food, put some spare frames in, and I put it next to the hive, but the entrance facing the opposite direction. Oh, do you? Well, I put mine facing the same way. So yeah, so you'll get the flying bees. You'll get the flying bees as well. But that's, well, that's why you're supposed to think put grass in the entrance of the nuke box for two days. I don't do any of that. I just well, talk. I've not done that. No. But if they're facing the wrong way, how do you then, when you want to amalgamate them, don't they not know where to go? It doesn't matter. They find their way to the other hives. Um, I mean, as long as they're three feet apart. I mean, I wouldn't put them, I don't put them right next to I each do. other. <laughs> it's oh, right, I do. Right next to it. I'll, I'll put it three feet apart so that it can either become its own hive colony or at the end of the season I can... Reunite but most of the time they raise her a new, the, the old box raises a new But what queen. do you do with the flying bees that go back to the site that's three feet away? It, they sort themselves out. The, it, they'll just, I mean, no, I mean, they won't rebalance themselves, obviously, but, I mean, inevitably you'll lose, you will lose that population back to the original box. So what you've got to do is make sure you shake in as many bees as you can, think, knowing that you're yeah. going to lose some. Because I put, I, I put, or on the, on the polynukes with a little open closed door, I could, I'll shut it up for seventy two hours. Oh, okay, yeah. Well, that's the same as putting grass in. But I don't, I don't normally, I don't, I don't normally bother. Put grass in I normally leave the door open because they've got lots of young bees in there because I've taken them off the brood. Close it up as long as they've got. My experience, as long as they've got a frame of honey and they've got food, after a couple of days they sort themselves out. And then if I recombine them, the flying bees. Because I mean, there's like your apiary. There's like ten hives. They just beg, beg their, oh, beg their way into another. How many colonies have you got? Uh, going into winter, I've got five, but one's mm. quite weak. Last year, I took six through winter, but I lost one, which I'd never seen before. With although they had lots of stores, they had heads down into the cells, which is starvation really told. what was an isolation i saw a picture on the internet with bees with their heads inside in a cluster but with their heads down yeah up. yeah and it was exactly like that they must have lost contact with so, the uh, stores yeah, i don't i don't know why. but mm. i bec- i've got my my five and they're all together and i was going to ask you because i don't i mean i treat my five as like one entity yeah so I, so I don't worry about giving frames from one hive into another, or if one needs some more stores topping up from another, I'll move them about, because I treat, rightly or wrongly, I don't treat them all as separate entities, because I figure if there's going to be disease around, it's going to be around anyway, and I share with someone that's not particularly good at varroa control or... Mm. I try to treat my apiary as an apiary, yeah. So you, tr- so you wouldn't, I mean, my, I've got, although they're colour-coded, I, they don't necessarily get back the frames that they had this year. I don't think you're supposed to swap frames. I mean, if you went you know, on a well, course... people tell me then. We, people would look to. quite cross at you, but, um, but I'm with you. My, my hives are in a, probably as long as this room, they're in a row. So if one's got disease, you're right, they'll fly in the other... So if I need to give them a frame of brood, I'll give them a frame of brood. Or if I unite them, I'll unite. I treat it as an apiary mm. rather Because when I first started, I was obsessed by keeping the queen. And then I got over that and I just thought, well, I want to keep the colony. And then I got obsessed by individual hives. And now I treat them as a population. 
and I find my my life's much more relaxed because if one's oh, yeah. if one's getting a bit weak and I think well that's never going to come back I'll unite it with another one yeah. and then there and then I've got you know the population strong again so I personally swap them around I think if you went on a course people would just shake their heads and say how awful that was it's not I mean it's not considered good practice to Assuming share combs between hives <laughs> but. Everyone does it, and every beekeeping book that you read says if this colony is a bit weak, you give them a frame of brood from a stronger colony. Like everything says to do it, and I mean I've always done it, and I think all you can do is know that your colonies are healthy, you know, to do regular disease inspections, to know what the varroa load is. Mm. Um, And the the thing that I learned, which – you don't always have control over is not to crowd them together too much. I mean, do yours all face the same way or? No, mine don't all face the same way because they are where there was a little space to put them. So they face all kinds of directions. So that's perfect. But they Mm. don't, you know, my um, fellow apiary person (laughs) happened to put a hive with an entrance right where I needed to stand to inspect one of my hives oh nice so that was a bit difficult so but you know my problems on the allotment site with all the bees are not with my little five hives together which I treat as one really but it's with other people's behavior and this is the big problem of keeping bees on an allotment site Mm. because we have a set of rules which when I went to a meeting recently most people didn't know about so hadn't read and certainly don't abide by we've got people we've got someone who's open feeding I don't know what you think about that open feeding who's got I think it's all right if it's just your apiary it's other people's apiary that you're going to cause chaos I wouldn't do it I'd, I'd done open feeding on the farm because it's a field in the middle of nowhere. I wouldn't do it on an apron, on a, on a in allotment. an urban area. Well, their, their answer was only my bees eat it. Really? I don't know that. Has he got like a list and he ticks them off? You should have put some green food colouring in it. <laughs> and apparently it's got all kinds of goodies in it. Really? Oh. Like chamomile and I can't remember what else. Something that's good for bee guts. I don't know. I can't remember. Anyway, mm. in spite of being asked not to do it, by myself and a senior beekeeper on site who's been keeping bees for 40 years. Uh, she continues to persist. Do you know, you know the best, best thing for that is uh, green food colouring? That's what Tracy just said. <laughs> but then, oh, because then, well, they'd bring it back to your hive and you'd have green Yeah, honey. probably, yeah. Yeah, don't do it then. Sorry. Don't do it. green honey, um, could I? I, no, and I you don't couldn't. want no, my bees a, drinking no. chamomile sugar syrup. I would phone the bee inspector. Why? On grass because because snitch, snitch. <laughs> maybe I haven't been following this conversation closely enough, but <laughs> <laughs> open feeding can spread disease. Yes, that's what I understood myself. But the answer to that is only my bees. That's rubbish, isn't it? But- and there was an open pack of fondant out. No, that's that's not. There are hanging liquid feeders from like a bird feeder with multiple arms. Why, why are they doing open feeding? Okay, if you've got a, like, <laughs> I've done open right. feeding. I've done open pollen feeding in the spring, but like but I if said, you're isolated in a field, doesn't matter. That doesn't, doesn't matter. matter. Does it? No. But if you're on a site with other, yeah, with well, just with people. seven other beekeepers, well, the other not... problem we've had is 
this year was I was called out because we have, although I'm not on the swarm collection list, I do get called out by people on site if there is a swarm on site. And we've had endless swarms this year because we've got people who don't agree and don't want to do swarm control because they can't be bothered. And the same person had put out a two foot by two foot um, metal tray of cappings after she'd done her extraction and put them in the middle of an apiary. And I was mm. called out because Spreads the disease. fences were just full of bees going bananas trying to get into this. Well, if they couldn't get in. And, and so people thought it was a swarm because the whole of the fencing was full of bees. That's really irresponsible. Well, the answer to that problem was <laughs> I didn't know I couldn't do that. Mm. <laughs> well, see, this is, I think this is so one what of we're the greatest challenges is, in beekeeping. Is other beekeepers. <laughs> yes. Is that, that, so my main challenge on site is not my bees, I don't think, but it's, no. it's potential disease transfer mm. and being called out to deal with bees that are not a swarm, but are doing something they shouldn't be doing because somebody's done something. Rob, Robin Hap. Uh, well, also, well, the person who shares the apiary with this person had to come that night and close up all his hives because of the robbing. potential for robbing yeah. being started. It's it must be it must be really hard. So I'm sharing. I, the if space I could put, be... take my bees and put them in my garden, I would. Mm. But I've got four kids next door and mm. and cats that love bees. My cats follow me and they mm. come and sit on the beehives. They love to be in the apiary. It's their favourite place to be. Mm. Have you got little bee suits? They have, sadly, they haven't got little bee suits I and know. I'm terrified they're going to eat one and get stung. Well, that's it because they, it's like they can die. my dog. Oh, can they? Well, they, they, you know, snap. It's all playful. And the bee, of course, stings their throat. And yeah, the, I mm. mean they can asphyxiate. So I've got pets. I've got kids. It's a different, different. Oh, it doesn't matter. No, so they're the same. You can always get more. <laughs> they need feeding, and well, and you, you can know. put them in a little suit. Well, you can get more cats, but you can't put them in a little he, bee suit. So my son used to come beekeeping. He used to come to the allotment. Did he? I yeah, didn't yeah, he know used to come that. to the oh, really? training apiary when he was about eight. In a got little bee suit. Got little pictures of an adult bee suit, all Aww. scrumped up. Yeah, but obviously now, you know, he's 17 now. Do you want to come beekeeping? No. no. Is he a teenager now? <laughs> oh, he's a proper teenager, yeah. yeah. So he's not interested in bees then? Yeah, he's just interested in going to the gym and fighting people in judo. <laughs> you want to watch out. Yeah, I said Tracy, he's, he's got to be careful now. He's bigger than me now. <laughs> <laughs> he's bigger than me and he competes in judo. <laughs> He's, gonna, he's not going to be taking over the bees then from No, you. no, no. I said to him, yeah, when you want to learn how to be, be, be a beekeeper and be cool, he just looks at me like, what are you on? Do you sell yours? My honey? Yes. I don't make enough honey to sell. Well, you do, but you don't extract it. I don't extract it either. What do you do with it then? Just leave it in the hives. I've got loads at the moment. I've got loads of honey this year. He's so not motivated by honey at all, which I just don't understand so I've, I, got, I've got people knocking on my door, ringing me up, I like constantly it, asking for honey, and mm. I can't meet the demand. I'll just give it away. I can't meet the demand so, this year. Because um, I'd spent the last couple of years just trying to learn how to do queen rearing, you, I, I was um, playing with all the hives all the time, and I just don't think I, and I, I never give them enough time to actually. Aww. I was just, I was in them all the time. To, 
now I've kind of learnt my lesson and now I've got like a, a little section I do queen rearing with. Do you let them make enough honey to last them all? Oh, yeah, yeah. They're all food. I mean, they've got loads of food. I, I don't I really... I, there's a, two nukes I've got to go up there tomorrow and feed just because they were... They're quite... Their cluster's kind of the size of a... Uh, four tennis balls put together. It's kind of... I'm showing you how big it is, but that doesn't really work on a podcast. So this is like a little cluster. I can see, for those of you out there who can't <laughs> see, I can see. So has um, got quite big hands. <laughs> oh, dear. So, um, <laughs> so right, hands the concert violinist. Yeah. It's the wine. It's the, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the little glasses are deceiving. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, because I've been playing with it, I haven't really been getting big harvest so now i kind of sort it sort out well i'm gonna i'm using um the, the ben harden method and uh fat dummies <clears throat> love the ben harden method and Ooh, fat what's dummies. that I don't that's know that my is. queen rearing so the ben harden method is um it's a way of raising queen cells uh if you graft or well, if you basically if you take a lava and put it in a cup somehow or you take a cell somehow what kind of cup you mean a teacup yeah <laughs> That's a very Yorkshire thing to say. Yes. <laughs> Where's the pot? China. So like a little grafting, like a little plastic uh, artificial. You know, like a grafting cup that you get on a... You've never seen them. So imagine your wine... Frame. He's using his fingers again, yeah. people. I'll use his wine cap because Tracy's, <laughs> Tracy's classy and bought screw-top wine. Um, so you get like it's a little... Australian. Pla- is it? it is Australian. It's got mm. a kangaroo All right. on it. Mm. Don't, like, don't like Heather enough to buy a French wine then. It's a it's a good wine. What can I say? It's Australian. So, um, <laughs> okay, moving swiftly. I would like on. to drink that wine, but I'm driving. So they're like little plastic cups, about the size of a. They are the size of a queen cell, um, uh, just a normal cell. And you scoop the lava out of. So they don't look like a wine bottle. No, cup they're just like a little, little plastic cup. You scoop the lava. You know, like a play cup. Yeah. Yeah. They're like that, that size. Okay. Yeah, but they're. Tend to be blue that's, plastic. That's perfect. Well, yeah, they look yeah. like play cups. And you scoop a lava out at the right age and you, you put with it... With what? With a little special tool. I use what's called a Japanese grafting tool. Chinese. Chinese. The Japanese ones are much more elegant. Are they? No, I don't know. I'm, just, <laughs> I'm talking rubbish. Um, it just looks... Or you can use a little paintbrush, but basically you just scoop it out with this plastic filament. filament. I'll show you. I'll, I'll, next time I see you, I'll, I'll bring a grafting tool with me. And then you put it in the wait. cell cup. Yeah, excitement. I, I could tell you're excited by this. And then, and then you put that upside down. Not much excites me. <laughs> well, a couple more glasses of that, I think they will. So you, you put the you put the, the the cell in the like a upside down, like a queen cell, and the, the, the bees, in theory, draw, draw it out. Right. So what I do? How is, do you stick it? It sticks itself because it's got the royal jelly. It's got the bee bread, and the bee bread sticks it. And then there's a little attachment, like another little plastic thingy. It's not a single-use plastic in it. It's very environmentally damaging. Um, and you Not that much. And then you plug it in. And, it's not if you reuse it. And you do reuse it. I don't, you, I don't reuse the cups, but you reuse the attachments. So the plastic, okay. little tiny plastic cups. Are, Can't you put them in the dishwasher? They'd melt. Oh, actually, no, you, you don't you reuse those, no. do you? Do but you? the point is, you then put that frame in the hive and the bees think they're swarm cells and they draw them oh, out. Oh, okay. And the best thing about the whole method is that it's a queen right method. Yeah. So you take you don't have to take the queen out of the hive and, you know, set up all kinds of 
um, queenless scenarios. You just take an ordinary hive and you put this on top with plenty of pollen and uh, they and they'll draw. The first time I did not, I couldn't believe it because oh it was this frame I pulled out. It's this special frame with like bars and these little queen cups on it. And the bees had just drawn. Do you remember oh, yeah. that first time why, we why did, did it? Why do they do that? Because what you do, the, the Ben Harden method isn't a grafting. You get a brew box, put a queen excluder, and then put another brew box on top of it, and you lift up open brood, two frames of open brood, two a frame of pollen and a frame of uh, food. And then you put, have you seen fat dummies? They're basically big, thick dummy boards that take up about that wide. He's using his hands again, people out there. You can't see what he's doing, so you don't know how wide (laughs) he's talking about. So fat fat dummies, if you took uh, three... I think he means about six inches. Yeah. Yeah, if you took Mm. three frames and nailed Mm. them together, that would be a fat dummy. And they, they, they fill up the space, and then you put... So that's the top box. You've got four frames. Well, you've got five frames because one of them is your grafting frame, some open brood, some pollen, because the bees need pollen. And then you put then and then underneath you move all the all the brood together. So what you've done is create a, a tall hive. Like a, oh, okay, yeah. And that funnels the bees up. Up. And because you need lots of bees to draw them out. And the great thing is, like Tracy says, you you're not, not taking the queen out, you're not really disturbing them for because you you only do it for a couple of days. So once it's drawn it out, you you do something else. You take the cells out to get them mated, mm-hmm. and you put it back together again. Doesn't interrupt introduce honey production. Doesn't in, uh, interrupt honey production. No. You don't need spare boxes. All you need to do is make up these fat dummy boards. And what I do is I get polys, polystyrene installation insulation boxes from local B local B and Q DIY shop and dummy boards, and I just cut around so it's the same thing and stick it all together. If you wanted to, if you wanted to try a really simple method of queen rearing, which I think has great results, I would I would absolutely recommend it. And the the thing is, then once you've got those queen cells, you can either put them into um, mating nukes, which I don't use because it's too fussy for me. I use poly, three frame polynukes. Put the queen cell in. Four no, weeks later, nurse bees. You've got a lovely, yeah. beautiful laying queen in there. Oh, I mean, okay. the only thing is you suddenly end up with so many queens. You're kind of like in a good year, obviously, yeah. not like but I remember the year. first time you got it right and you got a hatch queen. And I said to you, because the first time I got my own hatch queen, I did a little dance. Where's the queen? Yeah. I was like, and I said, you'll do a little dance. And you did a little dance. <laughs> you all done a little dance. No, I want to do this because not this year, the last year's National Honey Show, I bought one of those nuke boxes that has a divider yeah, down the middle I've got those. and two entrances yeah. one at either end of the they're great box. They are perfect that was yeah. with a view to doing queen rearing but everything perfect. else went wrong this that, year so that so that method is if you want to if you want to graft if but you why would i want to do make lots of queens well that that's the question yeah i only do it because i like doing it but what but do you do with them all i put them in my hives Which, so your hives what? are growing and growing and growing and yeah. growing but I think I made. I think I made about fourteen queens this year. So you made an extra fourteen hives. No, no, no. So I've, I've got. I made lots of nukes. So I've got eight or nine nukes. Other purpose of making more queens next year. I just like making queens. That's it. So it's it's really interesting in beekeeping how people are motivated by different things. And the thing that motivates me is honey. 
Oh, me too. Yeah, well, it, not because I want to make money, because I don't need the money. Mm. I want them to be self-funding. Right. Yeah. Not because I can't afford to do beekeeping either, but I also, because people are asking me for it and people are wanting it for asthma, for yeah. eczema. So how do you sell your honey? It's also through neighbours, friends, the postman, my chiropodist, my hairdresser. <laughs> You name it, everybody I come into contact with it has some and then they have friends, the postman tells the other postman and then they want it and then their mums want it. Next door I have a friend who wants 20 for all of their family because they've all got eczema and right. asthma. Isn't it amazing? And the people stop me on the street now and go, are you the honey lady? Do you know, I mean, I... So I can't meet the demand now. They call me the honey fairy at work. Word has got round. (laughs) And once people have had a jar, they just go, whoa, they don't want to eat supermarket honey anymore. So this is it. People, once they've tasted real honey, um, they they can't believe that they ever ate anything from a supermarket. And you explain where supermarket honey comes from and how many countries it's blended from and and whatever and how it's heated. And when I do my bee safaris, um, one of the first things I do is a honey tasting with everyone. And I've got about four different types of honey from the same hives, just from different times of year, same colonies, same position, but one's from lavender, one's from um, dandelion, one's from horse chestnut, etc. And people cannot believe that, you know, the, the variety and like the health, the clear health benefits of having, you know, the pollen from this and mm. the, the. So, I mean, I I love that. I love when people taste your honey and they go, "Wow!" I mean that. That's really motivating for me. Oh, absolutely, for me too. And I only double filter mine. I don't triple or quadruple no, I mean filter either. it because mm. I want it to be as natural as it possible yeah. as possibly can be, as long as it hasn't got a few bee legs floating about in it. I have had a bee leg okay. once. Oh, no, it was a wing. It was a and wing I don't once. heat it at all. Even if no. it starts crystallising, I never heat no. it. I jar it straight away. Mm. Yeah, so I've got so. a friend in Florida that I sh- I'd send a jar every year and um, – he, he, he contacted me. He said, um, is it meant to go solid? I said, yeah, that's proper honey. It's yeah. crystallised. And he, he just, I said, just warm it up in a bit of water. And he's like, that's, that's amazing. And he's like, well, why doesn't shop-bought honey do it? I said, because they filter all that, all those big crystals out and you're just left with... Whatever. Yeah, you're just left with the remnants. Oh, one of my work colleagues who, uh, one of her Chinese friends, is now taking it back to China for her father. Mm. He's had one jar, and now I've just taken her up another one uh, so that her friend can take it back to him for Christmas. Mm. How much have you got left? So my my the people this year, because I didn't have a lot, I had to prioritise it to people who've got asthma, who've got eczema, to old people who bite for their, or rather, people who bite for their older people who have a spoonful every morning because they they think it makes them healthy. These are generally... 80-plusers mm, who nice. think it's beneficial to mm, them. Mm. <clears throat> what I've got left is behind you. The postman wants two more jars for his mum. There's hardly any. That's you none left. Wow. Mm. But I didn't have that much this year compared to last year. You just got this massive but marrow looks, collection. Then. I just have <laughs> marrows and pumpkins now, so I need but to I go into to business say, selling those. Your honey, I think, is the most pretty honey I've ever seen. Like in the jar... 
with Heather's honey on it. Heather's honey. And the colour of it. What what is it? What what are they what on? Trees, the I guess. Oh. I don't know. Could They're be on anything. An site, so it's like guys' grass. It's trees. It's people's lawns. It's <laughs> what, whatever vegetables. it is, it's a really kind of. It's very typically London. Yeah. Urban honey. I it's think. beautiful. It's very. It's quite flowery. But people ask me, does it have a kick in the back of the throat? And people seem to judge it by how much of a kick in the back of the throat it has. And certainly, mine does have a kick in yeah. the back of the throat. And people say they've bought other people's local inverted commas on it and it doesn't have that same mm. it gets the, get. the um, almost umami kind oh. of well, my hairdresser mm. keeps a jar it's by his umami. keeps his oh it's a special taste it's a it's the fifth taste you two know, look. of yeah. japanese you can buy it in a tube from waitress do you know your honey <laughs> actually i know isn't that so disappointing <laughs> so unromantic um paul's honey is very nice very, very nice. And, in fact, it's gone, the jar that you gave us. Have it? Yeah, it's it's um really, really bright yellow because of I've those one more flowers 30, on the 30, lake. 30-pound bucket. Yeah, the, mm. the, um, the farmer mont's got two big lakes and they're covered in – I don't know what these yellow flowers are, but they're covered in yellow flowers and the bees just go mad. Are they yellow them. irises? Little, they're like tiny, maybe two-inch wide – Little yellow flowers. Oh, that float on the surface of the yes. pond. Oh, yes. So, I can't remember what they're called. I did look it up and I can't remember what it is. It was something buttercups. Yeah. He's planted loads of stuff on that farm because he's got an area to cordon off for, um, like in Europe, they pay him a special fee not to, I can't remember call it now, it's like an environmental thing, is not to farm that land and to kind of rewild it. Well, you're very it. lucky because I found countryside honey sometimes can be absolutely horrible. Some friends mm. gave me some. They live down in Kent. And I hope they're not listening to this. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, it's the last time you get a jar. And That's it. it. <laughs> Blown it now. Well, I had two jars that same year, one from the allotment site, and they both tasted, to my taste buds, of rotting cabbages. Oh, really brassicas, and I had some from the allotment site that I bought. But can't, honey can get spores in it, can't it? And it, it? just was, to me, it was horrible. And it just, well, I don't know. I, I assumed they'd been eating brassica flowers. And I guess well, in the aren't... countryside you get monoculture, red seed honey. and But you can get spores from things like hay, or which, which will go into honey and taint it. How, though? Bees carry it there? No, like after it's been. Oh. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. I just assumed it was what the bees had been eating, foraging. Well, it could be, but, I mean, I think there are... But it wasn't There's pleasant. a list, isn't there, of things that bees forage on which you shouldn't have the honey from, like rhododendron and privet and... But how do you stop them? Don't. You, you, you just have a don't lot need of it. I've got a rhododendron bush in my garden. Yeah, Should I put a sign But there's a lot no in Scotland, allowed. for example. Yeah. In Scotland, so my, the, 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 my favourite... Favorite place on earth. Anyway, sorry, I lost myself for a moment there. <laughs> there are there's a lot of rhododendron yeah. in Scotland. And what does that do to you? So the myth is it's, that it's poison. Mm, is it a myth? Well, I guess if you if you only feed your bees if they only forage a rhododendron, <laughs> yeah, because it, it's poisonous, isn't it? Rhododendron. I didn't know that. Yeah, I was. Yeah. I grew up surrounded by huge rhododendron. Yeah. Lucky bushes. you didn't eat it. You wouldn't be here. 
Maybe that's why I'm <laughs> like I am. <laughs> Eat it on toast. <laughs> so there's a, I think there's a Greek myth where they they fed someone a rhododendron honey and it killed them. I'm going to look oh, that that's up. that's interesting. I like a bit of so knowledge. people out there, you a need bit to of look learning. up what a rod <laughs> is. You need to look up the poisonous, Rhododen- oh, poisonous rhododendron honey eating. Oh, look, she, she's on her phone now, <laughs> making a note. No, Please I'm get back to us if you find anything interesting. So, uh, yeah. There's a, Sorry, Paul will edit that bit out. No, I won't. It's too much effort. <laughs> so, um, I'm just curious, so... What do you like most? What what thing in beekeeping apart from honey do you like the most? What sort of little that? Because I like queen rearing. Um, Tracy likes painting hives and putting her bees on unusual places like poo farm. <laughs> Sometimes this year I've thought I don't know why I'm doing this. Oh really? This oh is, no, did you? This why? is terrible. It's just stressful and they don't behave and no. they don't do what the books say and. And I just think, oh, well, they can no, break your heart. There's can't another they? swarm in my tree, <laughs> and the woman who took the allotment next to me said she won't take it anymore because she doesn't want bees next to her. And I go out to do my allotmenting, and there's a swarm in the tree. And then at nine o'clock at night, I'm trying to collect a swarm and get yeah. it persuaded it needs to go into a hive. I felt like that about May. And I'm throwing but it that's... on the floor and scooping it up with my hands and trying to throw it into a hive because it's nine o'clock and I want my dinner. <laughs> <laughs> but all of that is okay. Oh, yeah, it's <laughs> This lovely. is like bee therapy, isn't it? <laughs> it's I thought okay. that about, about the end of May. I thought, you know, it's weird. I'd spend all winter going, oh, can't wait to get into the bees. And then when it starts, you think, oh, my God, <laughs> not this again. I, that was so funny when you said that because you said – about how like you get really stressed and I was I'd been thinking why do I get so stressed about this hobby which I supposedly love and you know which fascinates me and I find captivating and I do get really (laughs) stressed about well this year was a terrible year but you know I mean I do get really stressed about it and um I well it my main stress is because of where my bees are and their proximity to the general public stings, like you were saying before, Heather. And, um, yeah, you know, I've realised keeping bees with cows is the best method. Because no, <laughs> no people around. Oh, no, I'd like to keep my bees in a field in the middle of nowhere or on someone's farm. Somewhere. We're trying to help you with that then. But, we, have a, we have a plan. Happens, we have a plan, yeah. I keep them on a very populated allotment site next to houses. It's so, it's so hard, isn't it? And you have to deal with the general public and the rest of the people on the allotment. And it's Trace has to deal with uh, angry vegans. Angry vegans? Oh, vegans are not supposed to eat bees. No, no. no. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> they're not supposed Obviously to not eat, eat bees. bees. No, no. But they're not supposed to eat honey. honey. Either, no. But I know Trace is stalked by honey. vegans. I do get stalked by vegans. Do you? Which is a shame because I'm really supportive of the vegan cause in many ways, but I don't like being accosted <laughs> at my place of work. <laughs> It's only happened a couple of times, but I mean, (laughs) at work, it's happened. She she keeps vegans. I don't think she's got a big green. Have you been to uh, where she keeps her bees? She's got a big green netting up to stop the bees. And the vegans stand one side of the big green netting, berating Tracy. You shouldn't keep bees. It's cruel. Really? (laughs) Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh no, that is stressful. Oh, it I made me cry that. because I just obviously I love my bees and I, anyway, but it's it's an abysmal <laughs> argument. We won't go into it. So here. you you should give um, Tracy some Yorkshire. Uh, tips to deal with annoying Actually, people. Actually, you should. You know, you said so about what, coaching. Deal with vegans <laughs> Both. Do you know what? I cannot imagine a vegan accosting you and making you cry. So maybe you could give me some of those life coaching think, tips. I don't think we have vegans where I live. <laughs> I think it hasn't reached Yet another this part great thing. <laughs> I don't, so, know. I don't know whether there are vegans in Yorkshire or not. But it is hard keeping your bees in a public place. Oh, no, it is, absolutely. And, for you know, all kinds of reasons. I, I mean, all summer I'm on red alert for the call that says, you know, someone's got stung or there's a swarm in a tree. And, and this year, um, which has never happened before, I basically got a call saying your bees are swarming now. So I went down there and there's like a tractor ride which goes around the field. And, of course, the tractor ride had had to stop, couldn't go by my apiary. And it was this, I don't know how I missed it, massive swarm. Oh, no. It was a massive swarm. Was it your bees or someone else's? It was my bees. Oh. And I, I thought, I'm going to go down there and say they're not my bees. But they were my bees. And um, luckily, Brendan, my boss, was driving the tractor, so he was very chilled. And I just went up to the tractor and gave a little talk about why bees swarm. And everyone was absolutely fascinated. And and then, I don't know what happened, the the god of bees smiled upon me and they all just went back in. Oh, that was nice of them. They all just went back in. You just turned up, snapped your fingers and flew back in. So I think we're coming towards the end of our Mm. thing. There's one thing I've got before we do our um, special segment. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I've had a couple of emails about, so we were talking about, because you, you brought me down before we started recording, and I said, oh, I've got a great way of cleaning my smoker by throwing it in a bucket of soda crystals. And you went, yes, I couldn't believe Paul didn't know how to do this. <laughs> These people are meant to be experts. No, <laughs> do not believe a word they say. I'm not an expert, but even I knew how to clean a I smoker. Didn't. I just had a really dirty smoker. So... Um, <laughs> I've discovered that um, in the United States, they don't soda crystals, as we understand it. In, in the UK, they come in a green bag called with soda crystals, and you can buy them in any store. It's not green in some shops. It's blue in other shops, right? But um, but the chemical name for it, just if you actually want to buy it, because they do sell it in the States, they just don't send it under that brand name. It's sodium carbonate decahydrate which I will put in the show notes and you can just Google it. And yeah, because people were asking what soda crystals are. But it's, it's magical. Mm. It's a magical device. But but also it sterilises. And when you're cleaning anything, you scrub it with soda, especially polynew, you scrub it with soda crystals. When you're inspecting, you always have a bucket with soda crystal, soda crystal water. You do? Yeah. I don't. No, me and neither. a dish brush, and also I have a, some wire wool in I there. Str- to... I struggle to remember where I put my hive tool and I'm inspecting. Where's it gone now? <laughs> but I live near my beehive, so I can just take my tools home and wash them when they get I obviously, home. I obviously taught both of you absolutely nothing no. when you no. did my course. No. That's a good it. idea, though. I might keep a bucket of it at the <laughs> Even at the though farm. you passed with flying colours. <laughs> I passed with distinction, I'll have you know. The exam. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so did Heather. Oh, I don't think I did. You did. There's right. no... Yeah. Anyway, so you, you don't know about this bit. This, this is going to be the surprising oh, bit. So you just prepared, prepare yourself, Heather, to be amazed. Hang on, I'll just I'll just play the jingle. 
Right. So what you don't know, Heather, is, is Tracy has embarked on a bold new adventure <laughs> to learn how to play the bagpipes. And this is the part of the <laughs> face. It's true. You don't have to put those on. <laughs> and this is the part of the show where Tracy tells us how she's going blowing her horn. Okay. Well, so how are you I, have doing? An, I have an update for you. <laughs> I had my lesson today and I have my first piece of proper pipe music to learn and it's called the fairy's lullaby so what do you think of that is that just on the on the fluty bit or on the whole bag no not on not on the whole pipes no right should you not be learning the bee lullaby <laughs> i'm going to rename it the bee lullaby oh, yeah better. yeah yeah no i'm i'm still on my practice chanter right I, the, the the full pipes you won't. I won't be on that for like six months a, a year. I can't. Like it wait. is prop. It's proper hard. I mean, it is properly hard music, though, to play technique. It's difficult. I thought because I'm a trained pianist, I'd just be able to do it. And it's. It's a bit arrogant. It. It's. <laughs> <laughs> is this the thing where you have to? That's it. Yes. Flap your arms like a bird. <laughs> It is. And you've got the three beautiful pipes, the tenors over your shoulder. Yeah. And yeah. You've got to call her Muck Tracy from now on. Where yeah. did you find a bagpipe teacher, teacher. in South London? In, um, there are a few, just a few. And I've got a fantastic <laughs> teacher who's so patient with me. And I have good weeks and I have bad weeks, and he keeps me going. His name's Callum. And. Um, Every now and then he'll play something and I just go, oh. <laughs> so it's just, it's a beautiful instrument. And I have to actually, it's not, it's not I a have, instrument. it is an absolutely it's beautiful racket. instrument. It's not a racket. <laughs> it's not a racket. I it's can... a sack. <laughs> Isn't it, it a cow's a... stomach? Yes. Oh, is it? Traditionally. I didn't realise that. That's but do better. you know, the, the proper name that, that we have to refer to it. It is the Great Highland Bagpipe. It's not the bagpipes. It's the Great well, well, Highland Bagpipe. It's called the Great Highland Bagpipe until you hear it and then it just becomes a, that bagpipe thing. The Great Highland Cow Stomach. Yeah, that's much better. How sound. anyone could fail to emotionally respond to the sound of the bagpipes is just beyond me because I think it's just magnificent. Oh, I love it, and I'm very impressed. There you go. My nephew had Thank bagpipes you, Heather. at his wedding in in uh, in Scotland. There and you it go. Was magical. It's magical. I told have you. A brass band, so I'd rather you were learning to play the cornet. But I, I can play the cornet already. Oh, can you? Yeah. Oh, she she off didn't now. bring it with you. No. No. The I next don't have podcast, folks. <laughs> Watch out for the <laughs> and Paul's learning opera. I don't know if you know oh, that. You're in for a treat, folks. I can't play anything, so it'll be these two. Opera. Yes. Opera and cornets and bagpipes. I bet you can't I'll wait. Be on, I'll be on the go compare ever. Yeah. <laughs> hey, it's an earner. Um, thank you very much for asking me for my update. I love it. I love, I love it. I've got a, yeah. I feel like a professional now. I have a segment on the show. <laughs> with its own jingle and it took me ages to find that jingle because most of the bagpipe music on on the internet is actually good but i wanted something that truly reflected your level <laughs> <laughs> well that's fair enough <laughs> i'll play for you afterwards one you day i'll get you on. back <laughs> Hang on, put your headphones on i'll play it for you ready you're not going to play it for the, all the people out there now, i played listening. it before i played it already but i'll play it again for you just oh, so you okay. can get a sense of I'd where like to know where tracy is people to. ready ready <laughs> Oh, God. 
You don't want to listen to this, people out there. <laughs> so... <laughs> I'm, I, I'm fascinated by I what, will why she decided to learn it. It's, stand I, fast. I know. I think it's, it's good fun. Um, so I think that's it, really. Yeah. So um, it's been great having Heather with us. Thank oh, you, thank Heather. You Sticking up for me. me and my bagpipes, <laughs> my great Highland bagpipes. <laughs> Sticking up for McTracy. Um, so anyway, thanks for listening. Uh, you can find us at thebeehivejive.com. You can chat with us on Twitter at thebeehivejive. Um, and that's it, really. Thanks a lot. Bye. 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 a bucket full of soda crystals and water take the bellows off and just throw it in oh that's what i do yeah i know but i didn't know i i've I only recently discovered it what kind of a keeper are you <laughs> this is why we want you on the podcast <laughs> to say things like that one with a really dirty smoker <laughs>